0: Today, what I want to talk about is uh, this right here, uh, which is money, but I want to talk about it uh, in maybe a different way than you've thought about it, and that is in regards to generosity. And how are you a, gener- a generous person or aren't you? Now, the problem is every time we talk about money, people both inside the church and outside the church hate to talk about it. In fact, it's one of the top five greatest fears that people in the United States have. Uh, I've got a list of five. Would you like to see them? Okay? Top five fears of Americans. Here we go. The, number five, the fear of death. Okay? Number four, money. Fear that you will lose your money or you will have a financial loss. Number three, insects. Creepy Crawlies. Now, we put a few in chairs around here to uh, help you with any of your fear. Uh, Number two, uh, heights, fear of heights. Anyone got a fear of heights? Yeah, that's why you're all sitting here and not up in the balcony, right? And all you balcony people are like, we're good, we're good. All right, and then number one, the fear of public speaking. So think about this just for a moment. People would rather be dead than talk at a funeral, OK, they'd rather be dead than talk about a few. And think about me right now. OK, in my position, I'm public speaking and I'm talking about one of your greatest fears. Money. OK, doesn't always quite go together. But honestly, what I'm really most fearful about right now is some of you might be here for the very first time or you've been checking out the jar just recently. And you're like, great. The first time I come, they talk about money or they talk about, you know, How to have a right relationship with money, and it's a bummer. Well, I just want you to know that we only talk about it a couple times a year, usually at the beginning of the year. And uh, then after that, folks, uh, we talk about other subjects. Mainly, these are our top four Uh, social media, uh, scrapbooking, sports, and sex. So next week, uh, come back because one of those four things we'll be talking about, okay? Now, in the home that I grew up in, people did not really talk about money. My parents didn't talk about money very much at all. Part of that is because we were Po. We couldn't afford the OR. I mean, we were so poe. Some of you will get that later on. Okay. But uh, anyways, we were. And the truth is, uh, part of it was my parents didn't really do money very well. Uh, they would get in debt. And then they'd take out loans and get in more debt. And it was just kind of a struggle. And so we didn't really talk about it growing up. But when I became an adult, I found that people talked about money all the time. Uh, The stock market talking about money. This virus in China, you know, like it's going to affect kind of the world market uh, potentially. And so there's that talk about money. There's embezzlement of politicians. And we talk about money. Jesus talked about money more than any other subject except the kingdom of God. And in parables, 40% of his parables, his greatest teachings all dealt with money and having a right relationship with it. Now, my hope is whether you're here for the first time or you've been here a thousand times, that You will learn how to have a right relationship with money, and that as a church, we would have a right relationship. That there wouldn't be shame, there wouldn't be guilt, there wouldn't be a sense of fear, there wouldn't be any kind of squirming in your seats, um, because we're talking about it. But my hope is, is that people would really be able to say, hey, it's not that big a deal, we can talk about it. And we can actually open up the Bible, and we can engage with it and do our money God's way. And this kind of leads me to our big idea, because this is what I want you to know. Almost every single time money is mentioned in the Bible, the other word connected to it is generosity. It's almost ironic how often money and generosity are a part of it. And it kind of leads us to our big idea this morning, and it's this. Grace is the foundation of a generous person. When grace comes into your life, you simply want to be more generous. Now, most of the time when we think about grace, we think about God coming to earth in the form of Jesus Christ, giving his one and only life and extending grace to us. Grace is good news. Grace is Jesus giving himself away for the sins of the world. Grace is the fact that there's nothing you can do to make God love you less, and there's nothing you can do to make God love you more. He is just amazingly in love with you. Grace is that kind of good news. Grace is about God rescuing us from something that we were trapped in our sin, our brokenness, an addiction, our past, our struggles. You see, Rescuing us and loving us is the essence of what grace is, and we all want it. But grace is much more than just you and I, you know, kind of punching our ticket into heaven. But the fact is, is that grace wants to infect every single part of your being, your heart, your mind, your soul. Grace wants to infect every relationship that you have. And so for the rest of our time, I want to talk about grace as it relates to generosity by looking at a passage of Scripture in 2 Corinthians. Now, 2 Corinthians is in the New Testament, the second half of the Bible. And what do you think preceded 2 Corinthians? You were a little hesitant, okay? Yeah, 1 Corinthians, Okay. So 2 Corinthians is what we're going to look at today. A guy by the name of Paul who wrote close to half of the New Testament uh, is the person who wrote it. And he actually started a church just like the jar was started here in Muncie. He started one in Corinth in present-day Greece. And what he wanted to do is for the people of Corinth, the Corinthians, to understand grace. And the way he does it is kind of in a unique way. is because he brings the Corinthians rival into his writing. It would kind of be like uh, if you're a Colts fan, uh, Paul would be writing and he'd say, hey, all of you Colts fans, the Patriots fans are so much better. And you would like get this sense of like, no, they're not. We'll do anything or whatever your sport team is. There would be that kind of sense. Now, the Corinthians rival was a uh, region called Macedonia. And the Macedonians and the Corinthians were rivals. They did not like each other. They were constantly going after one another. So even though they were rivals, though, what's kind of ironic is Paul actually started a church both in Corinth and in Macedonia. Well, we're not sure exactly what happened, but Macedonia has a... uh, a kind of a disaster, a, a severe trial that takes place. Um, some scholars believe it was an earthquake. Uh, others believe that it was some uh, form of persecution. But there was this horrible thing that happened to this community. And when it took place, it overwhelmed them. It would be like New Orleans uh, a few years ago when the whole city was flooded in the struggle. Or Puerto Rico, something came that was so overwhelming that it took everything out of the city their heart their soul and actually their finances but the way the Macedonians responded was just shocking to Paul and so in second Corinthians chapter 8 this is what uh, he writes these words and now brothers and sisters we want you to know about the what's the next word yeah grace, That God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial. Their overflowing joy in their extreme poverty. welled up in rich what? Yeah generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able. And even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege. Now what's interesting that word privilege in the Greek actually is the word grace. So it's this sense of with this for the grace of sharing in the service to the Lord's people. So here's the deal. The Macedonians are going through this difficult difficult trial. And Paul does not want them to feel overwhelmed of having to continue to give financially to the church. He doesn't have an expectation for them to do that. Now, maybe some of you are here today and you're like, I understand Macedonia. I understand the Macedonians. You're going through a specific trial right now. You're going through some kind of crisis and you're struggling within your finances maybe. And it's a difficult season you're going through. And so Paul, being a good pastor, comes and says, hey, guys, uh, I know you're going through a lot of stuff. It's okay. I want you to know, don't feel obligated to give. But then the church says, no, 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 no. We want you to know that we want to share with you, Paul, in your ministry. We want to be generous even in the midst of this. We want to showcase our grace of giving. And what's kind of interesting is this word right here, sharing, is actually a Greek word that is koinonia. And what it means is that we're on mission together. The Macedonians were saying, hey, Paul, we want you to know that we are on a mission with you. We are not pulling back because of our circumstances. We want to go forward and be generous because of the grace that God has given to us. Well, he continues on then in verse five, and he says this, and they exceeded our expectations. Again, he's writing to the Corinthians, and these Macedonians, they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, which is awesome, and then they gave themselves by the will of God also to us. So we urge Titus. Now, Titus was like his apprentice. He was a mentor. Uh, Later on, he writes to Titus. It's another letter in the bible so we urged titus just as he had earlier made a beginning to bring also to completion this act of what yeah this act of grace on your part but since and now he's switching he's saying hey this is you guys now but since you guys in corinth excel in everything in faith and speech and knowledge and complete earnestness and in love we have kindled in you so that you also excel In the grace of giving. So here's what Paul is saying Hey, Corinth, you are a well off city. Everyone wants to go to your city. They want to experience your food, they want to experience your culture, they want to experience you as a people. They want to go and engage with your city. And you excel in faith, you ex- excel in earnestness, you excel in speech and knowledge, you excel in love, you want to do good. But here's my challenge, Corinth. Are you excelling in the act of grace and of giving? Your grace has affected your speech, your grace has affected your knowledge, it's affected your love, it's affected everything, but has your grace affected your giving. And here Paul kind of paints this picture to the rival that there's this church in Macedonia and I'm telling you, you know what's happened to them and they are so generous with what they give. I mean, whatever their circumstances, they say, Paul, how can we be generous because the grace of God has done so much for us? And he tells the Corinthians, What will you be? What will you do? Then he continues on in verse 8. And he says this. I am not commanding you. But I want to test the sincerity of your love. By comparing it with the earnestness of others. He says, hey, I'm not commanding you to do this. But I want to talk about this word sincerity for a while. Because this word sincerity is. Uh, actually means to drop the mask, that you would be fully seen. And it means that I'm going to say what I mean and I'm going to mean what I say. So Paul is saying, hey, I'm not commanding you to do this, but this is an invitation for you to be able to express your grace and your understanding of it. And then in verse 9, it goes on to say this, For you know the what? Yeah, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich. So this is what Paul kind of does. He paints a picture of this continuum of generosity. And this is what he says. He says on one side there is this. Group of people called the Macedonians. They don't have very much. They've been struggling. They have very little. And yet they're being generous. But on this other side. I want you to see that there is someone. Who is extremely rich. But he became extremely poor. So that you might have life. And he said, This person understands grace giving because he gave his one and only life for you and his name is Jesus Christ. And then he turns to the Corinthians and he basically says, where are you at on this continuum? Where are you? Are you here? Are you here? Are you here? Where are you on the generosity continuum? Are you anywhere? You know, I have a feeling That if Paul were here today, this is what he would say. Hey, those of you who are jarheads, the jar, where are you when it comes to the grace of giving? Where are you? Where are you at? Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Where are all of you in the balcony? Where are you when it comes to the grace of giving? And then Paul goes on to the next chapter in chapter 9, verse 6, and he says this. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows what? Yeah, whoever sows generously will also reap what? Yeah, generously. So what he does is he says, hey, this is an agrarian culture. I'm going to give them kind of a a concept of farming. And he says on this side right here, uh, there's a farmer who has just a small little bit of seed and he plants it. But that's all he has. And the most potential he has is in this small little group of seed. And he says there's another farmer that's way over here and he's just like casting it and tilling it and sowing anything and everything he can because he has the potential for a massive amount of harvest. And Paul is saying the same thing is true about the grace of giving and generosity. A couple of uh, months ago, uh, after many years, uh, we actually paid off my wife's medical school debt. Okay? So we're no longer in medical school debt. I won't say anything but first celebration clap for that, but, you know, it's whatever. No, 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 no. It's too late now. Too late now. Too late now. Just joking. But uh, so they, uh, we paid it off. It was $176 a month, and we were paying it forever and ever and ever and ever. And uh, we got it paid off, and I was like, yes, because now we can save this money. We can put it back, and we can make it something great and, you know, get some interest on our side. And I was so excited. And the next day, my wife, Jennifer, came up to me and she said, um, you know, our friend Deb, who runs that mission in Uganda, who takes women who were sex trafficked their entire life since they were kids, and then actually works with them, cares for them, loves them. She has one of these girls who have been sex trafficked, who's come to Christ, and she wants to become a nurse to be able to care For some of the girls that are at Rahab's Corner. And uh, they're asking us to give, Chris, $160 a month for this. Now, I would love to say that in that moment, I was like, oh my goodness, yes. I want to be generous with the things of God that he's given us. Let's just go ahead and do that. But in the back of my mind, I'm thinking... You know how long it took for us to pay off this? And now we have money, and you want to give this money. What are you talking about? Now, this is what happens, folks, when you've been married 25 years. They can read your mind. And she starts reading my mind. And she doesn't even say anything. She grabs me by my shirt, and she pulls me down. She's about one. She pulls me down. And she says, Christopher John Bunch, it's great to save, but it's it even better to be generous. We're going to give the money. And I was like, yes, ma'am, you know. Now, this is what I want to say about that. Why was I like that? I mean, you know, quite honestly, folks, I'm ashamed. Here's a woman that her whole life, she knew nothing except being a slave sexually to men that were much older than her. And Christ came into her life. And now she wants to be a nurse. And I had the kind of heart, folks, that wanted to be sparingly. And I'll never forget in that moment Being convicted by the Holy Spirit, right back to this scripture. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. I may never meet this woman in my life, but God is going to do a work in her life. And it's because a five-foot-one generous woman pulled me down and said, Chris, it's better to be generous. Folks, I want to get better in it. I'm not. It's an area that I'm trying to work, but I want to excel in it. I want to be generous. I want to love like Christ does. I want to kind of be that generous type of person that Jen is. 2 Corinthians verse 7 goes on in chapter 9 to say this. Each of you should give which you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a what? Yeah, a cheerful giver. Someone who's cheerful. Not like, uh. Someone who's like, I'm cheerful about it. Uh, Some of you may know that the first church I ever pastored was uh, in Flora, Indiana which is the largest pork producing county in all of the state. They have more hogs than people. It's just the way it is. And um, when I first moved there, it was kind of a culture shock to me because I had never lived in the country before and I wasn't used to the smells, you know, like, I mean, there's a lot of different smells when you live in the country than you do in the city and uh, all these smells and different things I'm getting used to. And I felt kind of out of place, honestly. And, uh, Then uh, I was getting ready to talk to them about this outreach that they did, but I never thought it was an outreach. I just thought it was a way to make money, and what they would do is all these farmers and other people would get together, and they put a big tent at the 4-H fair, and they sold pork burgers. Any of you have ever had a pork burger is amazing, okay? Okay. But I was from the city. I didn't, I was like pork burgers. What are you talking about? You know, I would only known McDonald's before, and now you know we're doing pork burgers. Well, over time I got acclimated to the culture, and uh, as we went to this experience of these pork ber- burgers, they actually for a week would sell them, and they were the best in the county fair, and I thought the money that they were collecting was going to be used to, like, help with church expenses and that kind of thing. And what I found out is that they actually, all the proceeds took care of the poor in the county. And they made so much money that they took the rest of it, and they actually gave it to third world countries where there were people who were dying of starvation and disease. And I was just blown away by this. And some of these farmers, I mean, you know, it's in the summer, And they would give up a week of being in the fields to be able to do this. And they would get nasty and sweaty and smelly and work 10-hour days in a grease pit, you know. And they were just joyful about it. And there were other people that they'd only get two weeks of vacation a year. And one of the weeks they would give to be in the fair tent to be able to be generous to others. And I was just blown away by their generosity. And I've always wanted to be the kind of person who were like those farmers who were so generous with what they gave. I want to be that kind of cheerful giver. I want to be a cheerful giver, not just with my finances, but with everything that I have. You see, folks, this is the truth. God rescued my life when I was messed up. When I was so much in a dark place and doing dark things and things that were not honoring to God at all. And he reached down and he rescued me. And because of that, I want to cheerfully give myself away to others. Now, the problem is, is that most of the time uh, we all are like, yeah, we want to do that except for one thing. And that's when it comes with money. And with money, we're kind of like, ah, I don't know. And what happens is when we're not generous with this, it actually becomes like a stranglehold. And it kind of keeps us down rather than being able to put it aside and say, that doesn't control my life. I'm going to allow grace to control my life. I'm going to allow that to flow out through generosity. And so Paul then, he continues in verse 8 in chapter 9 and says this. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things and at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. He says this is where abundance comes. Next verse. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Verse 10. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food he will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be what? Yeah, generous on every occasion and through us your what? Yeah, generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, But he's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Do you know what this particular verses are talking about? It's talking about when you are kind of just like surprised. You're shocked by the generosity of another person. You don't see it coming, but another person becomes extremely generous to you. Back in November, you might remember we had uh, one particular day where we got tons of snow. It was like four or five inches. And uh, to be honest, when the snow came, I was kind of dreading having to shovel my, you know, sidewalk and had to shovel my uh, driveway. And so I kind of put it off and I got all my gear on. And before I got ready to go out and to do all this, I looked at my phone and I got this text. From a friend of ours who said this. My husband stopped and cleaned off your driveway and sidewalk. I hope that's okay. Text back. Good with me. You know. No problem whatsoever. Now. When he did that man. I was just blown away with generosity. He's a fellow soccer dad. And uh, I've gotten to know him pretty well over the last couple of years. He's a great guy, extremely generous and kind. Uh, the very first Sunday that they came was Easter of this, uh, in 2019. And God's been working in their life and their family and they're amazing and they're great. And every time I'm around him, I'm just like, thank you. You know, I, I just appreciate that. Thank you so much. And just in case some of you feel convicted by this, If you're generous, you know, my address is 4116. Just joking. Verse 13. As a result of your ministry, he says, so as a result of your generosity, they will give glory to God. For your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. And they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing what? Grace. Yeah, grace that God has given to you. Thank God for this gift to wonderful for words. Here, what Paul is doing, he's, he's, he's challenging the people of Corinth. What's your understanding of the good news of Jesus Christ, he says? What's your understanding of grace? I've shared with Uh, This with you before but i've always kind of been more of a tightwad i'm recovering now But the thing that changed my life so much were these two chapters And this biblical framework in second corinthians of what does it look like to be a generous generous person I mean there are times that I still get tempted by tightwad island, okay and uh just like the Uganda thing. You know, I, I had to kind of work on that. But I want you to know, folks, that never in my life again do I live on Titewood Island. I just don't live there. I may visit it, but I'm convicted to, to move away and to be generous. And something that's helped me very much is just kind of a framework. And uh, this is a fill-in in, in your, uh, your program, or you can also do it uh, in your app. And it's this. First of all, that I have an understanding in my mind that God gives. That God gives everything. Everything that you see, everything that you have, everything that's in your life, folks, God gives it to you freely. And because God gives then he calls us to be a good steward, that we would actually have stewardship to, we've been entrusted with much, now he wants us to use it well. And I've often Uh, talked multiple times over the time that we started the JAR, that this is the way your life should be. You give, you save, and you live off the rest. And a couple of weeks ago, we talked about a plan, a 10-10-80 plan, that I give 10% to God because God gives everything. I hold back 10% to pay myself, and then I save it in some way so that I have something for the future, and then I live off the other 80%. And I know what's going through some of your minds right now. Well, that's easy for you to say because your wife's a doctor. I bet it's easy. You know, when we started this plan, folks, we started it in year number two when we were in debt and we made $16,000 and we could barely survive. And we simply said this, God, we trust you. And our plan was a five zero ninety five. We gave five percent to the church, we saved nothing, and we lived off ninety-five. And we said, God, we'll trust you that each year we'll increase those first two by one percent if you will provide for us. And he provided in great ways. And so he calls us to realize that he gives us everything. And then he entrusts us to actually use it in a way. That honors him. And as you live this way, you begin to start being able to invest in other people's lives and you be able to care for their suffering and their hurts. Our family, uh, around the holidays, we served at the Community Basket. The Community Basket is a ministry we have here at the Jar that two times a month for about four hours um, we distribute uh, non food items because food stamps can't pay for them. And so people are able to go, they get an actual kind of basket and they can go around and choose five items that they want. Well, on this particular day, uh, my two youngest girls were in the back and they were organizing and sorting all the shampoo and cleaning supplies and soap and all that. My wife, Jennifer, was working on a computer, organized different things. And they said, Chris, we know you can't organize anything. So, we're going to put you with the shoppers, and you go around with the person and they select their different items. And this one young girl walked in in her uh, early to mid 20s, and we were walking around and I was talking to her, and uh, finally, work came up, and she, I said, Well, where do you work at? And she said, Well, I work at Max. And if any of you know Max, you know the best biscuits and gravy in town. And uh, so at that place, she said, I work, but she goes, I only make minimum wage, and so by the time I get through the entire month, I'm short. And this place right here has changed my life. I can actually make it to the end of the month now, and I don't have to buy those 10 supplies that I get each month. And when that happened to me, I was so moved by your generosity. If you're not generous then that woman's story never happens and you actually help her to make it through the entire month. Folks, as a church, you've got to understand that the key is really about understanding that God gives all. If we go to the next slide, that God gives us everything. He calls us to actually steward it well and then he says finally you decide what's in your heart to give you decide not reluctantly not out of twisting of an arm but you decide in your hearts what to give some of you may know uh, the story that the jar actually started by meeting in my home with uh, six people the part of the story that you may not know is that five out of the six people actually decided to give 15% of their income to what we felt like God was going to build. And uh, so these five people kept giving 15% for 15 months. And uh, we grew a little bit to about 20 people. And we were meeting in homes. And the only thing we ever spent the money on was outreaches into the community, giving stuff away, uh, and that was it. Uh, I didn't take a salary. No one else did for the first five years of the church. We all just worked to try to honor God in the midst of that. Well, finally, this group of five people, because the rest of the folks, they were far from God. They weren't at a point to, to know what to give to be very generous. But these five people actually had accumulated $25,000. And when we got it, we said, we've got to do something big to take a huge risk for God and his kingdom. And so we actually went, and uh, the movie The Passion of the Christ had come out. And we rented a movie theater, and we gave everything away free, including popcorn and pop too. And then if anyone wanted to, we had a talk-back session on the movie at the Children's Museum where we fed them pizza and we took care of their kids. and We did all of that and then we took the money and we blanketed the rest of the community that we were going to be a church that breaks the mold. Now the reality is, when we said that, we were thinking something big, but for that first year we averaged 75 people who were in half of the YMCA. And when people would walk in, I'm sure they thought, this ain't going to break any mold. This is, you guys are barely surviving. Now, here's the question that I have for you. What kind of return on investment do you think those five individuals got for the investment that they gave? You're sitting here today. The reason you're here here is because there were people that chose to be generous with what they had because they believed God would work in your life. And slowly but surely, over time, more people said, I want to join the jar generosity train. I want to be a part of that group. I want to be a part of what God's doing. How can I be a part of that generous kind of train. And a few years ago, we bought a building on Main Street. If you go down uh, called the Ministry Center where our offices are located. And I'll tell you what, when we took the risk to do that, I wasn't so sure. And yet God has blessed that in amazing ways. When I go on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday nights, most of the time I can't find a parking spot. On Monday nights, they have grief chair. And there are people who are struggling with the loss of a spouse or something else, and they're being cared for. On Tuesday nights, Celebrate Recovery takes place where people have hurts, habits, and hang-ups. They're being taken care of. Wednesday nights, there's a men's small group. There's women's small group. Uh, Tonight, there'll be a student ministry small group. There's constantly things happening. The community basket two times a month where they're being able to care for people. And the generosity that you guys have given is amazing to see what God has done. And the amount of changed marriages and People who've overcome their addictions and they're finally set free. And all of the people who've accepted Christ and they've given their one and only life to him. Because, folks, when grace transforms your life, you can't help but to be generous so that others could be touched. You know, I could tell you story after story Family after family, person after person, ministry after ministry of how all of this happens. And the only time it breaks down, folks, the only time it breaks down is when it comes to your own heart of what you choose to give. You have to decide what's in your own heart. And you know what I've found is that it really doesn't matter if you're a Macedonian or if you're a wealthy Corinthian. The truth is it's always a matter of the heart. If you want to be blessed, there's a way in which that happens because God flows His grace. And because of that grace, we long to be generous. And that's why I think, again, this passage in verse 7 uh, is so key. Because it says, each of you should give which you have decided in your own heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Folks, I want to be a cheerful giver in every area of my life. I want to be the kind of person who, like the Macedonians, would beg and plead. How can I be a part of something? I want to be the kind of person who is generous in everything because of how generous God has been to me. So I simply want to ask you this question this morning, and it's this. Have you decided in your own heart what you can give? Have you decided? I mean, every sincere, well-intentioned Christ follower that I know, they finally have a conversation with God that says, God, when it comes to my heart, what are you asking me to do? And sometimes maybe there's a number. Sometimes maybe there's a percentage. Maybe it's something else. Maybe the truth is some of you are listening to this message and you feel like you're in Macedonia right now. You're just barely making it. You're not so sure. And God is saying, I can trust or you can trust me. So here's my challenge. For those of you that like challenges, you love to do that. Strong women, strong men. Here's the challenge. This week, I invite you to pull aside and simply take some time and ask God about your heart regarding giving. I mean, we have conversations with God all the time. You talk to God about your desires. You talk to God about your needs. You talk to God about your wants. You talk about him about your job. You talk about the person at your job that you can't stand. And he listens to all of that. You talk about, you know, your relationships, your family, all of that stuff. Why not have a conversation with him regarding your giving? Now, if you're married, you want to make sure that you have that conversation with your spouse, okay? Don't do it on your own, but have that conversation. And the way I'd like to kind of close uh, our time together is more than me talking about any of that. Is for you to see kind of a video montage of what your generosity has done in the lives of people in our community over the past year. So check this out. Everybody has trials and temptation. You know, uh, every time that I get the opportunity to pray with someone who comes to Christ or I see people get baptized, I'm just so overwhelmed by that. And uh, baptism, for some of you, maybe you've never been baptized before. And uh, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be teaching a class on baptism. And for some of you, you just need to take the plunge and get dunked. To say, Jesus, I want you to be at the center of my life. And when we see those faces of baptism and the community basket, missions and surf fest and so many other things, it all happens because of your generosity. Fifty percent of everything that comes in financially is through our app. It's the most convenient way. People say, hey, you know what? I'm going to do that. Then I I remember. I give God first. And so uh, you can go on to that. You just push the give option it'll explain everything it's all secure it's all set up and that's the way you can do that and we don't want to be just a church that talks about giving but we want to help you if you've been struggling at all with finances or debt and so tomorrow night uh, at the ministry center uh, we'll have the financial peace university class that will be taught and you can go and learn how to do money god's way folks We long to be the kind of church that is generous and we want to help you on your road to generosity because God is so generous to us. Let's pray. God, we uh, thank you so much for this day. We know, God, it's not always easy for us to discuss the issue of finances but God we want to be the kind of people who are generous because you've been so generous to us I pray that you would help each person here not be controlled by money don't let their hearts be controlled by it may it not be a stressor this week may they trust you more than anything else God, thank you for the grace that you've given to us that covers all of our sins. Thank you for keeping your promises. Thank you for blessing the jar in incredible ways that we can pay forward. Help us to know how to be good stewards, God, with what you've given us. Help us to have honest conversations and decide what is in our heart that you're calling us to be generous. Now, maybe you're here today and the reality is you're like, I'm not even walking with God. I don't know even about Him. Well, let me tell you, He is the most generous person who's ever walked planet Earth. Jesus Christ is more generous than anything. He is the definition of a giver, and He gave His one and only life for you on a cross. That if you're the only person on planet Earth... on that day, he would have died for you because he loves you that much. So today, if you're ready to receive the greatest gift you could ever receive in your life from a generous God, if you're ready to say, Jesus, I want you to be first in my life. I surrender to you today. I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. I need your help. I need you in my life. Then I invite you to simply pray this prayer after me. And don't worry, you're not going to have to pray it alone, but we pray together as one in community. And so I invite you to simply pray these words after me. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Today by faith, I put you first. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. Fill me with your spirit so I could know you, serve you, and follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.